Hello, you're listening to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. If some of our discussions and tips are working for you, why don't you grab a 15-minute call with us at ecommercecall.com. We'll see whether we can help scale your e-commerce business. We will quickly see if we're a fit or whether we can recommend someone else to get you where you need to go. The worst case is you'll have a fun 15-minute chat and regardless, you'll come away understanding a lot more about your business. Book a call at ecommercecall.com. Hello and welcome to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. This week, Ian and I are looking at benchmarking information and going over some of the most common benchmarks so you can see exactly what you need to do with your own e-commerce store. So let's get started. Hello, Ian. How are you? Hello, Mark. Good afternoon. How are you doing? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm good. So today, well, this week, actually, we've been talking about benchmarking. So um, talking to the email list yesterday about um, why benchmarks are important and effectively, you probably haven't seen the email in. So let me just tell you what I was talking about. I was saying that when we first started in e-commerce, we had a few sites and we had one site that was clearly had potential and but we didn't know what to do and they were doing around 30,000 a month um, and now that site's probably doing about 1.5 million and the a month the, a month yeah um, yeah and the beauty of it was that it was clearly you know it got legs and when we put it in front of people put a decent offer and you know we we kind of knew the offer to go for and we knew what we were going to do with it but we just need to get in front of more people and we needed to understand you know where to where to work first um, but the difficulty was we, you know, we back then we didn't have much e-commerce experience. We didn't know what a checkout was like. We didn't know what the product page should be doing. We didn't know, you know, what kind of ROAS we should be getting on Google Ads. It was just all these questions, and you know, not only did we not know what you know generally websites, e-commerce sites did, but we didn't know what um, you know the specific industry did, um, and so. But I guess we were in a very good position because we had access to 100 e-commerce sites and that gave us the start of something because we could go and have a look to see, you know, what was right, what was wrong. And and, and that was the start of the benchmarking project, which kind of eventually led to the book and uh, us understanding what we needed to do. And, and that was the start mm. of building those KPIs. Well, that was like, I mean, this was like probably going back 11 years ago, maybe 12 Maybe a bit yeah. longer, actually. And I think um, at the time, you know, and it's still difficult now, no one was willing to say what, what a typical bounce rate was or what was a, you know, the average session duration or how many pages per per visit was average or, you know, what what should the add to basket percentages be? Nobody, nobody was talking about that. And, that, and that's mm. pretty, to be honest, that's still true today, isn't it? And so... I do remember us having that conversation about saying, why are some of these e-commerce sites really scaling? Or why, or why are certain ones not? Why are, they, why are some just stagnating? What is it? Mm-hmm. Like, because we kind of knew emotionally that certain sites were not going to do particularly well. And we knew certain ones were going to do well. We couldn't really put a finger on it. Yeah, And that was, was about locking was... ourselves away. Yeah, clearly one was really good. And I said in the email, it's a bit like having Usain Bolt, who you knew was really good, but making him run in a blindfold and have his coaches 
run with blindfolds on. So we didn't know how he was compared. We didn't know if he got a slow start. We didn't know if he was fast in the middle. We didn't know, you know, like we didn't know where to work. And that yeah. was that was the difficulty because you know we couldn't see we couldn't see the comp competition. So that's where we started. So you, 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 if, if, unless you actually break it down to the numbers, you get emotional and you 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 have this scattergun approach mm. um, where you you kind of think it's this and it isn't, and you, know, you focus on something for six months and it turned out to be not. So, yeah, but I mean, it's, I think I, with the benchmarking one, I find really really useful because of that because you can look at any e-commerce business and very quickly get an idea of the underlying foundation of it and you know i i actually deliberately like so when when an e-commerce business approaches us that want to scale i deliberately like not looking at the front end first mm. and I like looking at the data, Google Analytics, because if you look at the front end, you start to then go, ah, I know why this site isn't scaling. It's because the product page is mm. poor or the basket's crap or the checkout's really clunky. And you then start to hypothesize and you set, you make up, you, you, and you, the, you start to look for data to back up what you are yeah. emotionally feeling to justify it so also you, you don't, don't base do it on you base it on your first impressions on the home page and if you haven't looked at the data you might be yeah. like well the home page for this site it's only only four percent of the traffic's landing on the home page so it's really not yeah. an important page or you know is it an important page and where people are going so it yeah. just you, you i think True. you've got to you've got to understand what you're looking at before you're looking at it almost um yeah. and and remember obviously we're very similar to warren buffett you know one of the richest men in the world yeah uh, he, what he does is before he goes and looks at the share price of something, he goes and looks at the the the, the annual report and works out what he thinks it's worth, and then he looks at the share price because he doesn't want that to be biased by the share price before he he looks at the numbers because mm. he'll then try to justify that share price or try to justify why he's looking at it. So um, yeah, it's interesting that. We're very yeah. similar. We do the to same. Warren Buffett, you know, you know, yeah. Just Incredible. it's only a matter of time before yeah. we become the Omaha. The the uh, what's it, what do they call him? The Guru of Omaha or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I know we drink loads of like full fat Coke and stuff like that. Is it Coke? And one's cherry cola, is it? Or something like that. Or is it cherry cola? But it's full of yeah. sugar. And he's it like, is. he's fine. Yeah, he's I don't fine. think he did. And he, and he eats a lot of, he's got, yeah, they own C's candy as well. So he's always eating a bit of candy yeah. on the table. But I think it's like in moderation, he just doesn't overdo it, obviously. Yeah. And that's uh, that's obviously the way to forward. Anyway, this isn't yeah. a podcast about the dietary uh, habits of Warren Buffett. It's actually about benchmarking. So we're going to go through a uh, benchmarking document yeah. that we've got. Um, there's quite a bit in here. So we're going to go through the highlights of it, really. Otherwise, we'll be here for a long time. But we're going to put the the link in the show notes so you can download your own PDF. It's a bit like a um, infographic of some mm. of our um, benchmarks that we've kind of found over the past couple of years. And it should give you an idea about where you are and where the low-hanging fruit is in your business and where to work. So if you well, haven't yeah, got a I copy think, of it, grab it. I think just to, just to tip, you've just hit the nail on the head, but the... I, when I was thinking about the podcast just 30 seconds before you told me we were doing it on benchmarking because we like yeah. to keep it you know fresh, fresh. and not practice um, and so it's out. natural yeah, yeah exactly 
And I was thinking, God, this is going to be a long podcast because I was thinking there's so much to cover in the benchmark. So we're going to have to be careful about you're going to have to be careful about controlling me because I will go down rabbit holes that are very good, but they're massive topics. So we just have to be wise to it. But I, I would generally say that the power of the benchmarking is it allows you to see what type of business you have. So even if you think, ah, oh, right, our bounce rate's really, really high, you know, it's higher than, so the actual, like one of the benchmarks is the bounce rate. And, you know, on average, 40% is the typical e-commerce bounce rate. And, you know, might say, well, our bounce rate's 60%. But it might be that your average order value is £400. And, you know, so therefore it's okay. It's fine. It obviously is going to be a bigger, a bigger bounce rate if it's a, you know, so it gives you an idea. I mean, that actually probably not the case. You know, the bounce rate isn't typically determined by the average order value, but basically you, you have an idea of where you sit at the moment. And, and also where I think the one thing we haven't put on that document, Mark, is what these benchmarks influence on the target sheet so the target sheet is everybody will know who's listened to us bang on about the target sheet the target sheet is a is a is a dashboard that we've created very simple top level that just puts the fundamental mathematics of the business on paper and all of these benchmarks will influence some stat on that target sheet like bounce rate influences add to basket which influences conversion rate as an example so anyways just go for it yeah so just starting with the first one which is we've well that's i think it's i'm just scrolling down i don't think these are in any particular order because the first one we wouldn't we wouldn't bang on about it doesn't mean it's more important no i think i think site speed is one of those things that you just need to know that your site isn't too slow i mean if it's because there has been a few people that have been on the groups that have just got really slight sites and mm. you know it's, it's a bit like trying to get a plane to take off when you know you've got concrete wheels and it's just never going to go anywhere so yeah um it's, i mean generally i think with site speed you know there's a lot of people obviously that you know if you do any google search and say how important is site speed you know people will tell you it is the absolute make or break now that's not strictly true because if your if your value proposition isn't right, it doesn't matter if your site's incredibly quick, and you, but if you're not competitive, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't you're not going to sell anything. On, but on the flip side, if you if you had an amazingly value prop, very very good value proposition, very competitive, bang on, you know USPs and etc cetera, etc, cetera, and your site's slow, you're obviously going to do really well. Yeah, but that, that all said, things if, considered. If you're... If your site is more than like six seconds load time in Google Analytics on average, then you are going to see significant conversion rate drops yeah. from that. You know, it yeah. is a law of, um, I was going to say diminishing returns, but it's more the opposite of that. It's basically that the, you can get to a site speed where re- regardless of how wonderful your products are, it's going to really affect your conversion rate. Yeah. So, well, And like most see... e-commerce businesses that are listening to this podcast are going to be in the position where they're trying to get marginal gains out of the existing spend mm. and, you know, and they're sitting quite averagely in the value proposition component. And that's where site speed can actually help. So go on, 
20 yeah. seconds, what's good, what's bad, and how do you test it? Yeah, so less, less than three seconds is, is, is excellent. Less than four seconds is good. Average is less than five seconds. Poor is just under six seconds. And then very poor is over six seconds. And so the only thing worth adding is that sometimes when we're trying to scale a big, a big uh, website, we'll look for site speeds under three seconds because we know that both Facebook and Google have got certain auctions that they will, will only release for a super fast site. But um, a lot of the time, as long as we're kind of under or around four seconds, mm. we're, okay. we're okay. And the reason Google and Facebook do that is because they don't want to give a, a result that is a crap, crap experience. Mm. Because people go, oh, this isn't very good. So obviously they, get, they want to push sites that are quick. Because it's better yeah. experience for them, and also they don't they've want to give a relevant amount result. of people who are on ridiculously slow internet connections, and they know that they're not. If they give them sites that are too slow, they're not going to be happy. So there's there's a certain proportion of the internet that's on a very slow internet speed. Now, mm. most of the time, the people on the slower internet speeds are obviously some of the you know lower paying uh, customers, but sometimes they're also in places that have slow internet. So there are pockets. Um, so let's move on to the next one, Ian. This, which is the add to basket percentage. Well, it's which a big one. A lot. Yeah. It's a massive well, we've done, one. We've done podcasts on that separately, so it's more of just giving people an idea. Yeah. Of of what they should be looking at. So. Okay. We say that. Well, add to basket. Add to basket generally comes from splitting down conversion rate into three things. So I mean, I'm going. You know, this is this is going back to the first kind of couple of podcasts we did you know years ago but we split conversion rate down into three things that how many people added to basket how many people went down went from basket to checkout and how many people went from checkout to orders that's simple but it, it, it unless you split your conversion rate down into those three things you you're completely blind you've got no idea how to improve conversion rate. you can't you can't do it because you're just going to guess you know, you go, oh, I want to make conversion rate better. Well, it's like saying just be more successful, sell more stuff. So you have to split it down. And an and add to basket one is probably one of the biggest things that people need to work on. on it's, just, it's the most thing you can do as well. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the benchmark we originally gave was that a, a typical e-commerce site that had an average order value of about £90, had a reasonable lifetime customer value where people were buying about twice a year, um, add to basket would be 11%. Now, that's quite punchy, I would have to say now. And it's linked to two things. If your average order value is really high, your add to basket tends to be lower. And if your lifetime customer value is really high, your add to basket tends to be higher. So yeah. most businesses now, we're looking for an ad to basket rate of about between eight to ten percent, mm. you know, on average. You know, but even but if we're it's not lower get that than for that, furniture. we're not going to get that. No, for if the purchases. average order value is yeah. much higher, so we bait. You mean we, you you actually split this down, didn't you? You said if if the, if the order value, the average order value, is above two hundred and fifty pounds, then the average or good one is about five. Five percent, something like that. Yeah, I actually, said if it's below, 
I like you the did way take you, dollars. you just I take just everything, changed it. move it into the UK. We're global. Well, I'm, yeah, well, I know, but I mean, I, you know, I'm in the UK. I can't get think of, of anything else because I'm... out of Britain. Yeah, exactly. I'm an arrogant Brit. It's awful. I do feel bad. Anyway, an average order value of under, let's say, £200. And do you know what? I'm going to say actually under £100. Hmm. I think that then you were looking for a, a nine, eight, nine, ten 10% out of basket. Mm. And I say that because, you know, we have seen out of baskets of, we've got one client that's got a 22% out of basket. And mm. that's brilliant. That's really, really good. But the basket to checkout stat is like 20%. And on average, that normally is about forty-five percent. Mm. So you put you you know, you're putting more pressure on on one element. So really, just call it ten percent. Ten percent. Yeah. So a furniture. I mean, a furniture site doing two thousand dollars average order value. Like the max we've seen is like four percent out of basket rate. Um, good is probably three. Poor is two. You know, like it makes such a difference down there because you know the difference between two percent out to basket rate and four percent is actually doubling it so you're effectively doubling your conversion rate mm. the reason we bang on about add to basket so much is because it tends to be one of the most elastic uh, optimizable kpis compared to the basket to order the basket to order or even the basket to check out and check out to order they're much more stubborn like it's it's much harder to kind of revolutionize those whereas you mm. can definitely improve the add to basket a lot more easily. And the reason mm. why we split it out as well is because if you have to take into account the the basket and the checkout, um, you don't get as many people going through that as you do adding to basket. So if, as long as you can increase that, if you're doing split tests early days, uh, you'll get a you'll get a split test result a lot quicker mm. because you're 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 measuring out to basket. And and some would say that you know, if you've got more people moving forward to the basket, then obviously you've got more chance to optimize those people at a later step. So the more mm. people you can move forward, the better you can be. So, yeah, I mean, I, I take, I mean, I think it, it probably out of all our benchmarks, the add to basket has caused the most confusion in our, <clears throat> with us saying 10% or 11%. Um, because it's quite the, rare, it's quite rare to see a site with the template and basket actually isn't it well it has to be fully formed doesn't it you know they have to be having you know like a, an average uh, an average order value of about 150 dollars they have to be getting repeat customers coming back and back yeah. and buying they, everything has to be dialed in yeah so, it's quite an established business yeah so yeah. you know it, it's going to be you know if you've got a business that's only got one sale and that's it then you're not going to have the tailwind of customers coming back and buying and buying. So you're going to be lower than that. But I think the most important thing is to be aware of what your add to basket rate is. Um, try and find some benchmarks around that type of business. You know, obviously if you're working with us, we can probably tell you what it should be. Um, and then that's a line in the sand and then you can improve it. Now you, you can usually get, if you've never tried to improve it, you can usually get a 30% gain in add to basket rate if you start looking at it. And start splitting it down into the proper products yeah. that are driving that, um, because there's usually gas in the tank on on the add to basket. Yeah, if you know normally, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's actually a really good point. Um, you know, typically how much we see these things move from optimization, mm. and I think that's probably right. 
Sorry, just on something that mistake people sometimes make when they're filling out our target sheet and they go and ramp up the traffic and then they go and ramp up add to basket. They go, oh, we're mm -hmm. making all these changes to the add to basket optimization. So we're going to get these gains and then we're going to ramp up the traffic at the same time. When you actually think about it, it's, it's difficult to do both at the same time because if you increase the traffic, um, let's say you've got a, a target ROAS campaign on Google Ads trying to hit four, 400%. And you then ask it to go and you know target more traffic, and maybe you reduce the ROAS three hundred percent. You get more traffic. That's obviously going to put a lot more pressure on the site, and it's going to be pulling down the add to basket rate because the traffic is going to be slightly less motivated to buy. And so your challenge is not necessarily. I mean, it's lovely if you can grow the add to basket rate and the traffic at the same time, but just be aware that as you grow the traffic, you know sometimes it's it the the, the the job is to actually keep the ads basket the same as good yeah, and you have yeah. to optimize just to, just to keep it in the same yeah. place just to stay in the same place i mean it's basically like if you imagine if you upgraded your store if you had a physical store and all of a sudden you know you do a load of you know advertising campaigns and you, and you you know, you're driving a lot more footfall into your store um obviously it's going to put more pressure and you know, you add to basket stat, looks like it's going to stay the same percentage, but it's obviously a lot more people adding to basket, so it puts them under more pressure. Basically, you're saying that if you increase the amount of traffic, your add to basket stat is probably, your goal really should should be for it to, to stay the same. You know, yeah. Because it, obviously it's one way, you know, this, you know the, the fastest way to get your conversion rates higher, lower your traffic. <laughs> you know yeah you stop your so, stop your non-brand traffic and just have brand yeah. traffic be like oh my god you know. i've you know i've tre i've trebled my conversion rate because you pulled all the non-converting traffic well, that's not the goal the goal is to be able you don't want a really high converting site because then you're leaving money on the table you should be pushing mm. it you should be pushing yourself under pressure yeah and optimizing you know, that's that what you should traffic. be yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. you should be going that's yeah. how you scale is by getting traffic. Stop being vain. It's everybody has that limit in their own business where they're comfortable spending and we hit that limit and then we go, Oh, I'm I'm a, probably a ten thousand dollar a month business on Google Ads and that's pretty much why I'm comfortable. But then really the people who are bigger, who've scaled, they got the same ROAS, they were still making money and they kept pushing. And yeah. it's about having you know, if you have the opportunity to push you might not get that opportunity yeah. again. You know, you're sitting there going, it. "Oh, I'm getting a 20, 20 ROAS. Oh, that's amazing. I'll just, I'll just sit like this." And it's like, "Well, sit yeah, but this, this might be know, the opportunity. But it, but, and, this and might all, be but the sweet spot." But if you spot. carry on, and the problem is, if you carry on at that level, and your your competitors and the market's changing, competitors are investing. You're not investing. You're not pushing. You won't be sitting on a 20, 20 ROAS. Because that will eventually decline and decline and decline. We see that all the time. Where they haven't gone for it. Just go for it. While the sun is shining, you've got to go. You've got to be there. Yeah. Because it will build an email list, at the very least, that you can take through mm. the rainy days. Yeah. So that's what you Absolutely. And you, you know, remember, you, remember, I mean, I said this to someone the other day, and I must have said it a few times, but it resonated with them. I said, remember that you're not, on the first customer, you're not selling a product. You are acquiring a customer. That's mm. 
and that customer is is obviously there for you to keep and to get the lifetime customer value up. So you know, yeah, yeah, that's what you're doing. Not... Anyway, anyway, I had to basket. You need to rein yeah. me in, Mark. Cause we've we've, we've come, yeah. back. come back. Um, basket so, to order is the next one. I've actually put them both to together. I've got basket to check out and basket. You, we can either break yeah. it down into two, which is basket yeah. to check out and check out to order. But me being lazy, I always do basket to order as and, and combine well, it's it into an easiest, one. It's easier to combine it, but I have it's to say... It's much easier to measure. Yes, it is. And, and, and it's probably, although actually the caveat of, of this, in the last few weeks, I've come across two businesses where their basket to order stat was low. And when I mean low, you know, it was about 20%. Mm. And on average, we want this to be about 35 to 40%. So when you see a business that's 20%, you think, well, I'm going to dive into that. Mm. I need to go into it further. And what is it? Is it the basket to check out or is it the checkout to order? And unless yeah. you split it out, you don't know. Yeah, so, I think you use basket to order to show you if there's an issue. Because mm. especially people on the, the 20K core program, like they just don't want to, I mean, it's just not important for them to dive into that too early. Um, yeah. Obviously, when you get bigger, then obviously we want to look at every little game we can get. And but... I think the reason we've done that, where we've combined basket to order rate, is generally th there is less to do. It Well, it becomes about amplifying the things you've already done on the home pages, on the category pages, on the marketing, on the product pages, because by the time they've added to basket, they sh you should have got the value proposition across. You should have got the anxiety you, sh you conquered. You should have got the convincibility and desirability there. You should have, you, 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 and you should have been given them a reason to act now, etc. Et you, 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 a lot of the work should already be done. Mm. And, but there can be stupid, simple gains that are quite straightforward in the basket yeah. to order yeah you know, i mean it's, it's just I, check isn't it you've got to check it and you go like if you've got like a well let's just go through them so anything over 50 percent is excellent average is hmm. 40 to 50 percent and poor is under 40 percent i'd say probably 35 is is, is 35 yeah if i see I a, think... a basket order of 35 percent. i don't freak out i see that quite a lot yeah definitely and it because it also depends on the um the 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 maturity of the business you know if you are recruiting new customers all the time and you're really growing you say you're doing you know a million two three million turnover you know, you're probably still recruiting a lot of new customers and obviously they they convert less it's when mm. you're a little bit old, older and you've got a good house file or good customer life to customer value that's when you start i mean you know the 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 most fundamentally logical way to increase your conversion rate, and this is add to basket, basket to order, is to get your current customers to buy again. That's when yeah. you see conversion rates really rocketing. Mm. Um, and, and that's time and time and time again. So Because they obviously they convert much higher yeah. than yeah. brand new. So really, on average, yeah, I think I think that's... I think thirty anything less than thirty percent basket to order, we would go up. Oh, problem. Well, we'd just have a look problem. at it. We'd have a look at it, and you know, it's it's a lot more stubborn than the add to basket to change. Um, yeah. But like, if it's twenty percent or fifteen percent, you know, you've got to look at it. And enough, if you do the numbers, 
sometimes you'll find that the ad to ba the basket to order is low because you haven't done something right on your product page. And that sounds counterintuitive, mm. but what tends to happen is people might be adding something to the basket to check delivery or to check delivery times or something like that. So if you've not got that information there, you can have a really high ad to basket rate and think, oh, I'm fine, really. And then you've got a really yeah. low basket to order. So you've yeah. got to make sure that the flow is working the way it should so that the people who are adding to the basket are the people who are engaged and want to buy and all yeah. that kind of stuff and not and just I, doing I, it to find out some information. Yeah, I would. I, I think to, to, to clarify that point, that the optimizations that we have seen and done around the basket and checkout is that we've, it's not new information. Everything that we're pushing on the basket page and checkout is things that we've already pushed in the earlier yeah. on in the journey on the product yeah. page or on the home page or on the category page, positioning, remarketing. It's nothing new. We're just amplifying things that we've already done around yeah. stock, around delivery, around returns rate, around no cripple returns, around um, uh, USPs and guarantees and all those sort of things. So it's yeah. nothing new. You're just pulling things out. You've already and you're amplifying them. Trust, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But at the same so that's time, we're the not, most we're not leaving them high and dry, which we always talk about. We're just not. We're actually, you know, we're continuing. We realise they still have they still have uh, uh, reservations yeah, about questions, about anxieties. They still and baskets and order fifty five percent good. It's forty five percent of people that are not buying anything, even on the good side. Yeah, they're leaving on that page. Yeah. they've clearly well, it, got it, 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 questions. There are still people that are using basket as a dumping ground to decide whether or not they want to buy that thing. They're, they're using it to eliminate other things. They have lots of anxiety still around um, delivery and quality and fit and whatever the anxieties are for that industry. And, um, you know, and they also, they, they, they don't know if they, who the hell you are, they trust you. So there's so much, you know, I, I think probably some of the worst things that we've seen in the last probably three or four years is that the basket pages that people use on Magento, BigCommerce, Shopify, WooCommerce tend to be, and if, I, if I've missed a platform, I apologize, but it doesn't matter to us. They're all the same. They're all mathematical. You know, it doesn't make any difference. It, they, they often use the standard default baskets. Like there's mm. nothing on there. And the equivalent of doing that in a physical bricks and mortar store, if it was the standard, like here is your basket with no recognition of the emotional state that that customer's in they're not ready yet they've got lots of questions and anxieties you know it's like going into a store and the shopping clerk says hey do you want to buy it mate get it buy it or get out you know mm. you know and, and i'm not going to answer any questions about delivery about reassurances about what if i don't like it what if it doesn't fit Nothing, get lost, not interested. Uh, so yeah. you know, done my job. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. So basket to order. Yeah, uh, number one. the fourth one is on-site search. So on-site search. This is a percentage of people that use on-site search, and they've kind of said excellent, average, and poor, um, mm. which. Doesn't really make sense. I'm not sure, actually. Because sometimes <laughs> we've seen, we've seen. It's good for us to be humble and tell and say a report we wrote several years ago. Now we completely disagree with. 
Yeah, well, no, but, it's just, it says that, that on-site search is greater than 10% of visitors is poor, but I, I don't think that is poor. I, I think that's wrong, actually. It's not excellent to have less than 7% using on-site no. search, so this needs changing. But um, so when you download this uh, esteemed report that we're going to send you, just ignore number four at the moment, and we'll get back to you. So yeah. we'll tell you what it is. We'll tell you what it is. So site search, I think what we're talking about, what we really should have here is the uplift of site search. So there's two, mm. there's two, there's two KPIs for site searches. What percentage of visitors use site search? So, um, like out of, out of, you know, hundred percent of visitors, you know, can you, is about 8%, about 8% of sites, uh, people using site search. I kind of look at that and I go, site search is a big deal for this site. Um, sometimes site search is only 2%. Um, sometimes it's a little bit more. The more products you have, usually the bigger deal site search is, and the more returning customers you have, the more bigger deal site search is, because often they know what they want and they go to it. Um, and then once you know that, you then look at the uplift in terms of conversion rate compared to the normal conversion rate of site search. And what do you say, Ian, is it normally about four times? Yeah, three to four times. Three to four times so, should be the conversion rate uplift. Yeah. Yeah, so if your yeah. site's converting at one percent normally across you know across the board, you know your site search people who use the search should convert between three and four times higher. So they have a conversion rate of three three point five. Yeah, and so what yeah. we say if I see a site that's got decent amount of site search, I'll go right. That could probably be improved. Can we make site search more prominent, especially on the mobile if it's a big deal for the site? And can we maybe even suggest search terms to get people started, popular search terms, things like that, to get people into the site? Because mm. we can see that it's actually a really big engagement device that moves someone from the passive mode of scrolling and looking to actually clicking on the site. If we get them into yeah. search, we can more likely get the get the sale. And so a lot of the time on mobile sites, well, like for sites that even have important sites uh, search, uh, they'll just have an icon and they'll hide it away and it won't be the most obvious thing yeah. to do on, on the site you see that so on, first... on the on a mobile where they you know we, we had a site recently we were looking at they're doing about nine million a year and they had a really high site search and and it was like I think it was about ten percent there's a business to consumer mm. but I think it was because their, their navigation the categories were so convoluted so complicated that people just couldn't find it they had mm. to use site search. Yeah, you know. So, yeah. but but the problem was the uplift wasn't as good. So, like yeah. we would expect a three to four times, and they're only getting a two times. Like, well, that's probably well, if the uplift that... isn't, isn't as good. It probably means that you need to improve your navigation in the first place to stop people using site search when they don't need to. And then the other thing is is make sure the site searches of what yeah. they're actually searching for are yeah. actually the relevant stuff. You know, so you yeah. can go and look at the search yeah. terms and go. And I, I think, oh. I know, and I, I think that probably the most simple thing that to do with the site search because obviously people invest lots and lots and lots of money in fancy plugins for site search and obviously they're all great and we've used them all over the years you know they're all really good but one of the things that, that you should do before you even consider getting a plugin is that if somebody searches for one of your categories take them to the category don't give them the search results page you know, take do it do a redirect to that category. So, if someone's if you if you've got a category if you if you're a home decor company and you've got a category for candles, 
and somebody searches for candles, take them, redirect them to the correct category. Because that category will be laid out correctly with all the right products in the right order. It'll look beautiful, et cetera, et cetera. And it won't have out of stock products at the top. You know, it'll all be done properly. And so you can do that with, with any e-commerce platform. So that's the first thing you should do is look at those top searches and look at where they're going and take them to do have a category. And you, and you can, in fact, you can look at your top searches in Google Analytics and you can see, oh, you know what? I'm going to go and create little categories for all of those because they're big searches, you know, blue jumpers. I'm going to go and create a, re I'm going to go and create a category for that. And I'm going to redirect the search results to that because that's going to convert better. Yeah. So yeah. you don't need a fancy plugin to do that. No. And also the other thing you've got to be careful of is if you're looking in Google Analytics is, and you look at your site search uh, traffic and you go, oh, I've got really high search traffic, is that someone like the Google Ads team or the Facebook team isn't using a search result as a landing page mm. because that can massively skew your numbers. So let's say I'm doing something for Brooke Taverner and I want to do a tweed suit and I have and I've got four tweed suits but they're not I haven't got a category for it so I'll go and do a search for tweed suits and take that and that'll be my landing page now obviously if I'm driving a lot of traffic to that it's going to it's going to be looking to uh, Google Analytics like that is someone using site search but it's not it's it's actually uh, me doing it and driving yeah. Google Ads traffic so you, you've just got to you can you know you can put in the secondary dimension the medium or the um, the source, and you can you can. Oh, I uh, think you're drifting drifting too deep now. Just, I think that's important information. I think you're too deep. That's I'd expect you gem. to tell me. I don't <laughs> think so. <laughs> just be careful. You just don't get. You just don't. Anyway, probably into the weeds. Yeah. I yeah. think what we'll do, Ian, we'll do one more. We'll do one more um, KPI. Yeah, because we've got ten. Yeah, and then people can. No, we've not. We've got twelve. Yeah. 13, we'll do... 14. Yeah. My God, there's loads. Who wrote this report? It's ridiculous. And it's just very in-depth, and it's a very good report, apart from the one on site search. Did you write this? Or did I? You didn't write this. You never write anything. <laughs> <laughs> Shh. Mark, don't be silly. I just set the titles. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Fifth one. Okay. Yeah. Email. Which is... Email. Percentage so... of revenue that comes from email. And I'll tell you why we put this. Because email for us is like the best friend of e-commerce because it's practically free. And yeah. it does three things. It touches the recruitment side of things. So it helps you with first-time customers who have not yet bought because it helps warm them up, get into welcome series. You do all the abandonment programs, abandoned baskets, abandoned category abandoned products all those sort of things really 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 powerful for first time customers and it's the main mechanism for communicating with your existing customers to get them lifetime customer value up so email is like a gift from heaven for e-commerce and so we often look at businesses come to us and say look we're doing four million quid we want to get to ten um we, we analyze the percentage of revenue that comes from email to see if it's an opportunity. You know, so if it's really low, we think, oh my God, why, what, you know, your email revenue should be at least 20% for a business like this. And yours is five, 
great, fantastic. We can dial that in. Mm. We can pull that lever. So Basically. some people listening to this will be like, yeah, email's big for us. We know email's big, blah, blah, blah. We're an email business and they've got it and they're, they're really leaning into it. And then other businesses will be like, well, it never really made email work because ours is kind of like a one-off purchase and then people don't come back and all that kind mm. of stuff. But even for businesses like that, I think that we should be seeing more email sales coming from the recruitment. So during the sales cycle, even if it's really short, we should have more behavioral emails going out, you know, based on product product abandonment, mm. category abandonment, uh, you know, like time on site abandonment, you know, like people who are engaged that saw something. And if we can get those guys emails and gals, then we can, um, you know, we can do a lot more of the legwork from, e from email. And the problem if we don't do that is a lot of the time we have to pay Google or Facebook repeatedly for the customer to come to the site or the prospect yeah, to come to the site before they, before they buy. Mm. Um, if we can lift some of that and take email, let take some of the strain, it means that the budget can be spent more on, on actually recruiting the customers to come to the site in the first place. And so even if you're sitting there going, well, we sell wedding dresses and you know we can't sell another wedding dress. But during that sales cycle, when someone's looking for a wedding dress, that's you know that's the time when you want to be you know emailing them back say look at this product for more than five minutes and obviously this is one you're interested in and we've added it to your wish list and all those kind of stuff and your wish list mm. is going to expire and you know all those little things that it's, it, it's the opportunity to start a conversation with them as well yeah exactly isn't it? And it, yeah. but you know I, I, I think it, email has proved to us time and time again that no matter what e-commerce business it has a place now that's quite rare for us to say that like a blanket rule for all e-commerce but it does so it, you know that example there you know extreme example you're selling a one-off product a wedding dress it's 800 pounds or whatever a wedding dress costs i don't know that's probably really cheap um you would use it for your pre-purchase because it's a long buying window on the same vein, we've seen it with a very problem-solving, rational purchase where if you don't get the sale within 24 hours, it's gone. You've missed mm. it. And that's where people are looking for a reason to act now. And and they're looking at probably three or four suppliers. <clears throat> We're doing this right now. We've, we've got somebody selling um, like DIY products, you know, yeah. tools. And, you know, they know what they want to buy. And they're looking at this product from three or four suppliers and they're looking for a deal, an offer, an opportunity. And they've probably got maybe 12 hours. And in those 12 hours, email is a thing that we're going to massively ramp up mm. because we know that it's an opportunity to just give them that nudge. Um, yeah. And often with if, the offer. if they've tried email and they haven't done anything with it, it's most likely that they haven't tried the right products to the email list. There's always money in the list. There's always money in the list. And it was similar to, there's a guy here, he was selling flat pack sheds for a long, long time. He says, I just can't get email to work. Mm. And then, um, and when we're trying, this was a couple, over a couple of years, and eventually I said to him, you know, do anything? He says, yep, yeah, I've worked it out. I need to sell um, everyday products for the garden, like storage boxes to them. And I got storage yeah. boxes. I just never sent an email. I tried loads of different stuff. That's the sweet spot. 
I can sell them a shed for $500, but when they repeat buy, I need to be selling them something between 30 and 60 bucks. Cause that's, that's kind of like an impulse buy for them. They'll just get one, they get it delivered. And it's not, you know, it's not something they're yeah. not going to go buy another shed. So it's, mm. it's just understanding the, the psychology of the customers on your email list, what they see you as the job to be done for, and also what they will buy, because that is the start of, um, you know, a, a massive difference mm. into that guy's business because he was, you know, he was yeah. able to recruit and that, sheds, and then suddenly he's getting all this revenue from these yeah. storage boxes. You know, and I would, I would go one one step further to this to go a bit further into that. That's a really, really good example. But basically, if that chap hadn't got email to work, the only way he could grow his business was by acquiring new customers and probably paying for them on Google or Facebook or social because mm. he had, he could only do it by, by, by growing new customers. So it, the, the kind of the question is, is when, when we say email for, for existing lifetime customer value, if email isn't working, you're basically saying you have no lifetime customer value. Yeah. So we're kind of not saying email is a thing you've got to get right. We're saying, you got to get your life and customer value right, and then you got to amplify that with email because it's the main mechanism mm. of communicating. So it's like fundamental e-commerce. It's like you, you have two main camps: you've got your recruitment camp and you've got your retention camp. So how can you recruit more customers more profitably? And the second one is how can you get them to come and buy buy again? Yeah, and it might be a bring it. It might be about bringing a new product range in, or it might be changing yeah, the business model, it. or doing something different. But the, but you, it's going to be very difficult for you. If, if someone else has figured that out and you yeah. haven't. If you can't get email to work, you're basically saying that you have no retention strategy. Your lifetime customer value is non-existent. And the only way you can grow your business is by acquiring new customers. Mm. That's it's another it, story. It? Another, there was another story with, um, there's a girl called Naomi who used to hang around in one of the shared offices in about eight years ago. And she got a business, she's she selling it like back pain stuff, you know, things to kind of help your back pain, like products and stuff, and also courses. And she quit a job to go uh, and do the business full time. And she thought, well, because I'm doing it full time, my revenue is going to go up. And she was doing lots of different stuff and she was doing, um, you know, new things on the site and she was doing, you know, trying to do, get her marketing to go up. And it wasn't really growing. And she was like, well, I'm full time on this, so it should be growing. Anyway, she was about, about two years into it and I met her up again. Um, and we, we'd sat down and, you know, brainstormed different things to do. And I said, well, how's it going? She says, oh, yeah, it's, I've started to grow it now. It's, it's going really, really well. I says, well, what did you do? And she said, I just started sending more emails. And that was it. That was, mm. you know, like we, we, we tried really hard to work out how to grow this business. But it was just as simple as sending more emails. So yeah. let that be a lesson. Yeah. Sometimes it's just as simple as sending more emails and not being afraid yeah. of unsubscribes. Let people unsubscribe. Well, we've seen that. We've seen that so much. I, I know when we do our, our benchmarking reports, we, we compare the businesses we're looking at with an established business that we know has got the basic core right. And we look at the email, um, at email touch points for the top 10 paths. So, you know, the conversion paths, you see in Google, Google Analytics, you see, oh, it's direct and then PPC and it's, you know, it's SEO. And and you look at how many times email is in the top 10 path 
Yeah. And and you, it's always quite interesting, isn't it? We did it the other day, and it's like business 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 doing eighteen million, and it's like it was it wasn't in the top ten path at all. We're like, oh my god, like what? Yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder who taught so, you that analysis. Yeah. I mean, it may have been um, my brother, who yeah. is infinitely more impressive than me. Yeah, brother from the same from the same mother. Yeah. People say we don't. There's Apparently, we didn't look look like each other. Just like, have you got the same mother? I was like, as far as we know, we have. Yeah, exactly. So, Could be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think we leave it there. I think we leave it there. <laughs> well, we've on. done five out of twelve. I told you it was going to be difficult to do it in one. Well, in the show notes, you can go and get it in the show notes. Are we going to do the, the rest next next week? Then it's Christmas Day next week. Yeah, well, we could no, because we'll probably have another topic. We'll see how we go. Ah, okay. We'll see how we go. Um, well, to be honest, we covered each one of these as separate podcasts. You, you could do is link to the KPI in the show notes, couldn't you? It sounds like a lot of work. That it does. Yeah, and um, don't want to overwhelm ourselves just before Christmas. We'll no, I think we we probably anyway, everybody have a lovely Christmas. Make sure you have a nice break. This is um, this is the time. There's usually a little bit of a lull after Christmas Day, free commerce, and then it all kind of kicks off again. Um, well, so, actually, do you know what you should say? Is go into sale early. Don't wait. Yeah. You know. So what's your last cutoff day for Christmas? Yeah, and you might have to go into sale the next day. Start start the twentieth, don't they now? Yeah. Something well, like if you if you can't if you're well, I mean, it's going to be pretty close, but. You know, your last cutoff day might be 22nd, something like that, 21st of December. You might as well go into sale the next day. Don't wait. Yeah. Don't yeah. wait. You don't want to you ruin your Christmas. I know this. Exactly. Yeah. But you I'm not sure Christmas people listening to us now. I've now listened to all our automation stuff and they've got their businesses running on autopilot and they're just sitting there yeah. on the beach with their martinis, just, you know, watching the sales coming in. And uh, that's how easy it is. It is. Gosh. Um, all right. Thank you. Thank you, Ian. I'll speak to you okay. soon. Okay. Cheerio. Uh, I'll speak to everybody else soon. Okay. Bye.